You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, and welcome to The Compass, the podcast documenting the struggles of life as an artist. I'm Leah Walsh. My guest today is Kristen McCarthy Parker. Kristen is a director whose work is extremely innovative. She went to the University of Evansville shortly after I was there, and we met uh, here in the city through the alumni network and also um, through living in the same part of Astoria, which we both love. I've seen a number of her shows, including the ones she's made with her company, Recent Cutbacks, and you always know you're going to have a great time. She directed Puffs, which has been playing off-Broadway for a long time now at New World Stages, and you can check out her projects at kristenmccarthyparker.com. Thank you, Kristen. Spring is coming, everyone. It's not here yet, but it's coming. I have hope. And with that, I hope you enjoy the 132nd episode of The Compass. How do you try to keep from going to the dark side as an artist? That's a great question. It's <laughs> a big place to start. But. Yeah, I guess for me, it's it's always been about um, community and mm-hmm. the finding the groups of people that I like to make work with. And um, projects come and go, and I certainly do things where it's a whole new group of people or working on something that's kind of short-lived by intention. Um, but I have like two groups of people that I keep coming back to and making work with. And that's um, Recent Capbacks, which is this company that I founded a while mm-hmm. ago. And then the group of people that I worked on Puffs with. So those are the places where I feel like I have the most support and trust. And it feels like friends as well as work. And it feels like home. Yeah. When you were starting those groups or starting those collaborations, mm-hmm. how did you get it together to you know, get them off the ground and with a self-producing aspect and day jobs and everyone's schedules. Is that, I'm not being very clear, but no, yeah, you know, when you're I starting mean, a new venture from the ground up. Yeah. It takes a lot of effort from you. Yeah. It takes a lot. It was a lot of trial and error. I think kind of cut my teeth in recent cutbacks in terms of like the self-producing side of things. And we've always had a producer um, as part of our company, but like it still was a lot of like, all right, we're going to make a decision and we're going to do it. And we don't have any institutional support. And we weren't really that interested in fundraising. So we were like, we just got to make something that's going to work and we're not going to spend a lot of money and we're just going to get everybody in a room together. Um, And then 
via that process, kind of learning the ins and outs of like how social media works beyond like posting about your day Um, and um, like how to build a website, which I'm still not very good at, but you know, I'm starting to learn those things, like reaching out to press, reaching out to industry, all of those things. I feel like I learned by virtue of Mm self-producing and the first time I did it, it took way longer than it ever should have. And then you just get better at it and you fall into a rhythm with it. Yeah. But yeah, it's all been a really big learning experience. So how long has recent cutbacks been around now? We first did Hold On To Your Butts, which was our first show in the summer of 2014. So oh we're coming God. up on five years. It has been that long. That's, wild. That's crazy. Yeah. And then we like officially formed as a company about a year later. Okay. Um, we were just going to like do the show and then it sort of like became a thing that people liked so we kept doing it and then we were like we should formalize this somehow and make more work so yeah and what's your process like for creating those shows or can you first can you tell the listeners a little bit about the kind of style that you guys work with yeah definitely um (laughs) all right recent cutbacks uh we do like small cast um I don't know I think like remake is pretty generous but it's like parodies slash like homages to our favorite movies that Mm -hmm. you know we remember from from growing up so like a lot of stuff from the 90s and the early aughts um so we have a show hold on to your butts which is a two-man Jurassic Park sort of deal with um a live sound and foley artist it's also a show that's about Fellowship of the Ring, and then another that's um, about Home Alone that incorporates a lot of puppetry and um, <laughs> acapella Christmas music and lots of things. Oh, that's cool. Um, yeah, live projections are in that too. It's kind of a mishmash. But um, for us, it's about like exploring a theatrical medium that is different than you might find in like a quote-unquote traditional play mm-hmm. um, and that we want to get better at. So something that we feel like is kind of beyond our reach a little bit, but that we would like to explore and then exploring that within the context of like popular movies, <laughs> which <laughs> is a fun way, I think, for other people to get on board with art forms that they might otherwise be like, ooh, I'm not sure about that, like right. mime or, you know, whatever. Well, it gives you like this built-in audience space yeah. too. To yeah. Have something that references something that everyone has in their vocabulary yeah like totally jurassic park. yes like, <laughs> like jurassic park yeah that's awesome yeah um just to go back a little bit like mm-hmm. when i say the dark side what mm-hmm. does that mean for you most often i guess for me the dark side is ooh, it's so loaded <laughs> <laughs> the dark side is that feeling of kind of like um uh surviving but not thriving if that makes sense yeah. just like I feel like it's, I figured out pretty early on how to like make it in New York in the sense of like, I can get a day job and I can work the day job and make enough money and like not feel like I'm, I'm like desperate or scrambling, but it's also like totally unfulfilling. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think it's also really easy in a big city like New York to start to feel kind of isolated. Um, just like seeing people is harder for some reason and you know, you can just kind of get wrapped up in, in your day. Right. Um, so for me, yeah, that's, that's like the, the dark side. It's just like, I, I, the purposeless, purposelessness of, of like the day job grind and not having something that is like sparking joy <laughs> to, to Marie Kondo it for a second there. Yeah. <laughs> How have you found that balance to change as you've like these companies have taken off a little bit and you've, the, the percentages have maybe shifted from more daily grind to a little more artistic. I guess what I'm trying to ask 
is like how you find the juice when you're filling your time with all the the normal daily grind stuff. Mm. I guess that's really what I mean. Finding the juice, yeah. Um, because you know when you first move here after school, yeah. At least I've found, you know, you have limitless energy. You feel like I could stay up all night. Yeah. This is what's important to me. And then sometimes for your health, you have to prioritize other things, Mm -hmm. especially if you're working a lot for cash. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No, for sure. That like the, the need for sleep is like becoming very pronounced the older and older I get. Yeah. (laughs) Cause you're totally right. Yeah. It used to be like, I could do like projects and work like 50 hours a week and like all these other things, you know, and overnight not have a day off and just be like fine for months and months on end and now I'm like my bones hurt um (laughs) but yeah uh uh so like where 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 does like the I don't know where 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 do the energy reserves come from when it's like yeah that's a good question um I think it's definitely about you know giving myself space where I need it I um I hadn't really like traveled for a very long time like since like studying abroad really or like you know I hadn't really like done that um and I had the opportunity to like just kind of do some self-travel like almost a year ago and I remember at the time being like a little kind of freaked out about it because I'd never done that alone um it was about 10 days and by the time it was over I was like I feel I feel lighter like I feel like I I'm ready and I'm focused and you know because I'd been able to sort of like get by but it's sort of been I felt like a little worn down I guess Mm -hmm. and a little like at a lack of focus um and then just giving myself space to not think about those things and like that's a luxury like travel is a luxury and I get that and I was very lucky because I was in a situation that I was able to do it but I think it's things like that like kind of giving myself permission to uh like have a day where there's not emailing (laughs) <laughs> you know like, get out of the even, normal routine yeah even on yeah. Sundays you know it's like dealing with emails I was talking with a friend about this like just over this weekend we were like furiously emailing back and forth and I was like ah oh, wouldn't it be nice we just, like, <laughs> not do this one Sunday but you know yeah. yeah um now did you go to college for directing or were you an actor and no I, I went yeah I went for acting and yeah. then I took a directing class like everybody else did um and was like, ooh, I kind of like this, but I wasn't really sure. And I don't know. Lutz was pretty like, you should do more of this. <laughs> so I did direct <laughs> one of the one of the studio shows. Okay. Um, and then I had a an internship at Portland Stage Company in Maine. I was a directing and dramaturgy intern the year after I graduated. And uh, then I moved to New York and was still doing a little bit of both, but pretty quickly fell like into directing only. So, how did that feel to redefine your? your job description or do you still feel like you'd be up for any aspect of theater? I mean, I I hope I'm up for any aspect. I mean, Mm -hmm. I think that's always a good skill to just be a little bit flexible or curious about the other, you know, parts of the industry. Um, I don't really have any interest in going back to acting. (laughs) Um, Not that I didn't like it. I mean, I thought it was great and, and I kind of love that side of it. Um, I just feel very much like at home and directing. Um, But yeah, it was strange. I think it was one of those things where, you know, when you're young enough and you're like not too worried about what labels are, it was sort of like, well, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll do that. But like getting to the place where I was like calling myself a director was a bit of a journey. Um, it's interesting too, since you're like, that role is the leader in the room. 
Yeah. I'm sure there comes a point where you just have to claim it for yourself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And being able to like, it's, it's a tough position. I feel like, because like you want, you, you want to have like the authority of being like, um, authority is kind of a bad word, but, um, like be the person that people can look to and, and trust. Right. Cause I think that trust is very important to a process. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody trusting that there's a goal and a vision and that <laughs> things will happen the way they need to, and that we'll get there, but also like fostering, you know, a, a room in which people can be vulnerable and also like talk to you about whatever they may need to. And navigating that balance, I think is definitely something that I continue to strive for. Um, and I'm sure that's a little easier when you're working with collaborators who you've worked with before, like you were talking about people who you're really comfortable with and you've built a way of working. But when you're working with like a group of strangers, what are some of the things you think about when you're trying to build that vibe that you want in the rehearsal room? Yeah. I mean, I think giving people the space to express themselves and express their ideas. Um, I like to create structure, but I tend to direct in a style that's very much like, bring ideas to the table and show me what I'm working with and you know we'll sort of take it from there Mm -hmm. which I think a lot of people do but I just I really love to work in that way um and I don't know just like allowing for conversations to wander every now and again without getting too off track you know I think it's always (laughs) helpful when somebody somebody's like well I kind of want this is taking me to this place I'm like great well let's explore that for a little bit and just see where it goes um so yeah, it's a balance, I think, of like wanting wanting to, you know, be friendly and and make friends in that way and also like establishing when it's time to get down to brass tacks. Yeah. <laughs> I think we've all been in that room yeah. where there's so much time wasted that yes. you end up getting frustrated. Yeah. Um, do you have any mentors as a director who've been influential to the way that you work? Yes. And I mean, I've definitely had some assistantships and those have been really, um, like I I had, I did a lot of assistantships kind of earlier on in my time in New York. And then I kind of stepped back from it because I was doing too much of it and I needed to develop my own voice. Um, and that's actually something I'm kind of in a place right now where I'm like, well, I kind of need, I would like a mentor. (laughs) So I don't really necessarily like have a directing mentor per se. Um, I think I have people who, I can definitely talk to who are like peers in the directing world and maybe in like a different part of the industry than I'm in. Um, as well as like playwrights who I know and love and who I'd love to talk to and about where they are and what they're interested in. But Mm -hmm. yeah, like definitely like, um, professional mentor who is beyond me is, is something that I don't have right now. I'm looking for it. Yeah. Well, it must be interesting too, to try to find those assistantships, with both men and women directors, since there's mm-hmm. just so many more male directors working, or at least at the like the higher levels, something yeah. we're still striving for. Yeah, and it's getting better, I think. No, I think I so think it's too. also that like the pool is very small once you get past a certain level. Right. Yeah. What came first, <laughs> the chicken or the egg? Yeah. Yeah. Um, what does your family think of you? choosing a career path in the arts they're pretty excited about it I I have very like loving and understanding parents who are like whatever makes you happy go off do your thing that's awesome um I don't know that they ever I don't know if they were sure that that's where I'd like end up for real like they were supportive of me going to college for it but I'm not sure that they anticipated that it would like actually track through to like New York (laughs) but I think they're pretty excited 
and it's always fun when they come into the city and, and see things and, you know. Where did you grow up? Uh, New Hampshire and then North Carolina. I, like, okay. moved from one to the other when I was, like, 13, so it's kind of, like, an even split between the right. two. Yeah. Okay, so the East Coast is not entirely new for you. No. Because <laughs> <laughs> I grew up in the Midwest, and then going yeah. to Evansville, it was just, like, a huge move to come to New York. Yeah. Where where in the Midwest are you from? Um, Clarkston, Michigan. It's like oh, an okay. hour north of Detroit. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's a big shift, for sure. Yeah, and it's it was something that, like, thank goodness I was coming here to go to grad school because Evansville taught me a lot of things, but not how to move to New York without yeah. without any support network or map. And no one else in your family is in a creative field? Um. No, not really. I mean, I have an older brother who um, went to school for photography. Oh, that's um, cool. So he definitely, like, that is a big part of his life, and he's also a big, like, movie and music fan. Um, but that's not, like, his, his job job. But he's an so. appreciator. He's an appreciator, yeah. Yeah, that helps. Yeah. It's really sweet, though. Like, my parents never really went to the theater. I mean, we would do, like, go to the community theater, I guess, every mm-hmm. once in a while when I was younger, but they've, like they got more into it and now they will go see like shows at their sort of like local theater kind of regularly, which I'm like, Oh, it's so great. Like, <laughs> yeah. You've influenced them. Yeah. I hope they like it. I think they do. <laughs> um, can we talk a little bit about puffs and your experience mm-hmm. with that? Cause it's been going now for like over two years, right? Yeah. We had our first performance at the pit, uh, in December of 2015. Yeah. And then we moved off Broadway. Um, we've been in, New World for like a year and a half, a little more than a year and a half now. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> How exciting. has it been? Um, do you check in with the show often or does the stage manager kind of keep it in shape or how's that going? It ebbs and flows for me right now. Um, so I will be, I will stop by um, and be present in as many rehearsals as I can be if we're training somebody new mm-hmm. um, and then be there to note the show. Um, that just happened actually in the last uh, last week. We we plugged in a new person um, and another new swing. Mm-hmm. So there's definitely a bit of that, and I'm around more when that's happening. Uh, and then independent of that, I stop by once every few weeks and, and check in. And I also have an assistant who's there um, nice. kind of in rotation. So it's it's definitely like a self-running machine, and I'm like more and more like this is healthy for me to like step step back, step away. Right. That has <laughs> you don't to need the... me. You don't need me here. Like I'm... <laughs> has to be a tricky thing about being a director is that you do need to step away at a certain point. Yeah. yeah, and it's also I think just been interesting for so many of us on that show because that's I think for almost all of us that's the longest running show we've been a part of. So the reality of like being in a show that like goes up and you're like, it's thrilling and exciting. Uh You've got a couple weeks and then it's, and then it's gone. You know, it's like, I think everybody sort of hit a point where they were like, Oh, this is, this is like, this is like a job. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Like that feels different, you know, and like sort of navigating that. Um, but yeah, it's been really exciting. And did you have a lot of involvement in like the business side of growing that? Or did you guys have people in those, um, in those roles right from the beginning of like producer and marketing and stuff like that? Well, we had our original producers, um, Stephen Stout and Colin Waite, who produced at the pit. And then, um, Tilted Windmills, uh, are the commercial producers for off Broadway. So, uh, we've been, I think we were pretty involved, especially between like the pit and the Electra in terms of like helping everybody to be on the same page about what the, really what the show was it's kind of Mm -hmm. tricky because in many ways like 
you want to call it a parody, but like, we don't want to call it a parody. We want to focus on like the story of the show that is its own story and then let other people call us a parody for us. So like, right. we actually never really use that word in our language, but right. there so are reviews that for those who haven't heard of it, it might be somewhat related to the story of Harry Potter <laughs> in one of the houses at Hogwarts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's perfect. You did that very well. Um, So, yeah. So, you know, I think we were involved pretty heavily in just kind of uh, influencing and helping to make decisions regarding, like, well, what does the key art want to look like? And how do we want to talk about the show? And those sorts of things that, you know. Yeah, to make sure that the vision is still clear. Yeah. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Are there any resources that you go to? when you're trying to get like a new work like this scene or to the next level or like go to grants you apply to or yeah, where do you look for that kind of stuff? Oh man, I, that is something that like I am still figuring out in terms of like how to get a show from we've got this thing and we're really excited about it to something beyond a reading or beyond like a workshop yeah that's really like hard you said a while ago about recent cutbacks like none of us like fundraising it's the worst <laughs> so how can you it's it? the absolute we're worst. all looking for ways to skip that step yeah <laughs> yeah and it, i mean it is like i think in some ways um just the, the necessary evil it's not evil but it's a it's a necessary thing <laughs> that we have to do sometimes but yeah. yeah i i am still trying to figure that out as well um because obviously there's like ways that you know within theatrical institutions things can kind of move up um I don't always have connections to those places because I live in like a weird sort of niche area of, <laughs> of the industry so um I've been you know I've been lucky in that I have these things that I've done well and have led to other opportunities and those haven't necessarily been like the most sort of traditional theater director career path things but I, right. I do try and follow those and see where they lead um but yeah I I, I wish I had better answers for you. Um, I mean, I've, I've done, I work on new plays almost exclusively and new musicals and it is kind of a process of like, great, we have this thing, we're going to do the reading now what, you know, and, and trying to tap into the resources and the connections that you have to find people who are interested. Um, but I think the one thing I've learned, if it's any comfort is that like, it's, it's, years often <laughs> like right. you plant a seed and then like two years later something comes from that and it may not be in the way that you expected it to be but totally. yeah are there any lessons you've learned over the last couple of years that you're really proud of that you'd want to tell me about Ooh, that's a good one I think for me this is this is like a super like uh th- this is probably pretty apparent to to many other people who work as directors but <laughs> Because I came from a background for so long of like, you have no money, you have like only the people, it's you and the people who are doing it and maybe like another set of hands and that's it. Mm -hmm. Like for so many years, I was involved in these processes of like, we're just like, we're bootstrapping it and kind of like making, making it from nothing. 
Um, and there's joy in that. And I think that can manifest in some really exciting work. And a lot of my work has been in that. But I also know that like in the last couple of years doing more and more projects where like all the rules are filled and there are all the people who are there to support the process in the way that they're supposed to support the process, like on the production end, you know, on the creative end, you're like, oh, this is, this is why, this is why, because like, I don't need to figure that problem out because there's somebody who knows how to figure that problem out and that's their job. And so like, not for some reason, it wasn't like I was resistant to that, but I was just sort of like, didn't fully appreciate how amazing that was and how much it could elevate the work if you have the money Mm -hmm. to make it happen in that way. So that's something that I'm trying to like be better about and being like, you know what? It's okay. Like, let's, let's make sure that we have these roles filled and everybody will be like much happier in the long run instead of trying to do it all yourself yeah yeah and how much more energy to focus on the thing the thing in front of you yeah yeah that's great do you have any other artistic outlets um are you someone who has hobbies or are you all in on the directing front I we're recent cafes we're writing an audiobook right now which is totally new that's awesome yeah and I have not, I mean, I, I've written stuff for like school, but I, yeah. I've never really done like any script writing or, or anything like that. So, um, doing that ha- over the last like six months has been really, really fun and surprising. And, you know, it was a challenge at first and then I was like, oh, okay, this is how I work. So that's been really cool. Um, other than that, yeah, it's, it's a lot, it's a lot of theater. <laughs> nothing wrong with that I was just curious um I've always loved I've always loved movement though and I've always Mm -hmm. loved dance um and I don't really do it that much anymore but if I can sneak away and take like one of the continuing ed classes at like Ailey or the Ailey extension Mm -hmm. I love that that's that's great that's awesome yeah or do you think that you're in New York for the long term does it feel like your artistic home yeah I think so I don't know that I'm gonna like be here into my 80s should I live that long you know but I I think for like the foreseeable future this is what feels right to me um we were talking a little bit about this before we started recording Mm. but can we talk about day jobs a tiny bit (laughs) what kind of stuff you're doing now or what you've done in the past and how you've found it um supportive or detrimental to your creative life (laughs) I, I'm one of those people, I've always been a, a food service industry baby, which mm-hmm. is fine. Um, it can you be know, flexible, it's been, which it, is the good thing, right? It can be flexible. The money is usually good for the hours worked. Um, and, you know, I've probably worked every, like, type of restaurant job that you could think of. Like, I've had a lot of different <laughs> gigs. From like wine bars to like fancy dining to like super casual to everywhere in between. And I have been fine with it. And then like I sort of not been fine with it. And like I think a lot of it stems from um, the way that people feel like they can treat you Uh when you are um, serving them food or something. Um, Just like the, I don't know, like there's that feeling of like, Ugh, I, you're making me feel like I'm less than, and maybe that's like you're right or whatever. But I just I can't really yeah. abide it. People can be pretty ugly when their true colors come out. Yeah, and I didn't realize. So I work now at this place in Astoria, which is great. 
I'll plug it, whatever. Astoria Beer and Cheese. It's great. It's I love lovely. it. <laughs> it's, it's a little beer and cheese shop. And um, I, I've been really happy there because it's like, it's walking distance to my apartment. I don't like commuting. Um, and the hours are really chill and it's just like nice and there's a community there. Um, and like a couple months ago, like somebody came in and like talked to me in that way. And I was like, it like hit me so hard. And I realized I was like, oh, I've been working here for like over a year and no one's done this yet. But at my other restaurant jobs, somebody used to do this every day. Yes. And now I understand. Like, oh, yes. that's why I was so, so, so miserable. Or one of the reasons why it wasn't like a good fit at these other places is because like this was happening with some regularity and it like never happens. Yeah. In the place I'm at now. So that's well, that that's to me is a huge step. Yeah. Yeah, it's <laughs> a huge step. News. Yeah. And just like being able to be like, great, I'm responsible for myself, not being micromanaged. So yeah. Those things are good. Yeah, that's always good too. Yeah. I saw, I think on your on my internet stalking of your website <laughs> that you assisted on Choir Boy. I assisted on Choir Boy um at its when it was um first done at MTC. Oh, in cool. the in the underground space, yeah, we yeah. did not get a chance to see it, and we really, really wanted to. Yeah, it's an amazing show. What do you find when you're assisting? What your what is your mode in that role? I guess it's different with each director, yeah. probably like what they're looking for or not looking for yeah. from their assistant. It's super different, and I think honestly, like I I assisted one show after Choir Boy, which was mm-hmm. the Mysteries at the Flea. That's okay. where I met everybody that I now do puffs with basically um and that was like a few years ago and I haven't really like assisted since so like I think I would be a very different assistant director now than I was at that time um but with that said yeah I think it's I think it's responding to what is needed every director is different and different people want different things and I think part of that job is like anticipating needs in that way and kind of figuring out how to offer ideas without treading upon the process um and it's yeah it's a, it's an interesting thing you know there are days when it's like mostly watching and there are days right. when it's doing a little bit more active work and just kind of filling in where needed so yeah it's different for sure it's kind of it's interesting because you've kind of taken your own route of being much more involved in the um devising of the pieces but a lot of people are good in that like assisting on Broadway track, Mm -hmm. it can go on forever. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's like the emerging playwright track. It's like, when do you, why don't I get to be the one to decide when I've emerged? (laughs) Yeah. And it's so important. You there for so long. Yeah. And I, and I under, I understand like why that it's, it's, that is security. And like, you also get the opportunity to work with these amazing people and these amazing projects. And so like, that's, that's cool. Um, and I think it's like one of the things I've realized having a show like Puffs that is long running is how like essential it is to have somebody who can actually like be the person you can rely on to keep the show running and in check and like Mm -hmm. artistically doing what it needs to do even after months have gone by. So like, I think that role is a big responsibility, but I'm sure it also is, yeah, you're in that place where it's like, I am, I am realizing the vision of another and maybe that gets tiresome after a time, depending on who you are. I haven't assisted a Broadway show yet, so I don't know. <laughs> but. <laughs> um, but I saw that you're taking Puffs to Australia. Is that right? We did. We took it, we took okay. it to Australia, and it's now getting remounted for an Australia um, kind of tour. Is I think, a little generous. It's like doing a, a Brisbane and then Sydney. 
So yeah, we, we were in Melbourne throughout all of last summer, which was great. So we <laughs> flew to Australia, cast the show, flew back, flew to Australia, <laughs> rehearsed the show. That was a long flight. Um, and yeah, and there were always sort of plans to like see what that could turn into. And so after after the show closed in Melbourne, we were sort of like just just figuring it out. I'm not really a part of these conversations, but um, yeah. So recently, they've they've they're getting underway to to bring some of the original cast back and you know get it get it going in Sydney, which Do you is think great. You'll get a chance to go back. Or are they gonna? I I would <laughs> I would, but it's it's we designed it pretty well so that like by the time we, we were done in Melbourne, yeah, and I have an awesome associate down there who's yeah. gonna rock it out. So how exciting! Yeah, and I, as much as I would love to go back to Australia, I like don't need to get on a plane for twenty five hours again. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot. No, I have friends who are from there, and it's like you know, they maybe go back once a year, once every yeah. two years. It's just such a feat. Yeah. That's so interesting, yeah. though, because um, to go over there and work as an American artist, because so often I feel like Australian artists are coming here for the industry. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. It's a smaller, um, it's a smaller, there's, there's, it's a big country and there's just not as many people living it. They're very spread out. Mm-hmm. And the industry is, I think, you know, it's a, it's a smaller pool, but it's also like just a smaller kind of landscape so you have all these like amazingly fabulously talented people who are like vying for like a couple of spots and um yeah we uh, the talent that we found there I was just like blown away by they're so amazing I was like you guys want to work on on our little wizard show (laughs) sure (laughs) hop on board like we'd be you know so lucky to have you so how did you guys with recent cutbacks how did you develop your um process for devising your shows yeah, it's it's a mix and it and it evolves. Um, we definitely started like our first show was like we just got in a room and we were like, <laughs> "What are we doing?" Guys? <laughs> it was pretty. We have some like um, we we like took some footage just to help us learn the show in those early days. Mm-hmm. But going back and looking at it, it's it's pretty ridiculous. Um, That'll be awesome to have <laughs> in years to come. <laughs> It's great because they have totally. I mean, you you know Kyle a little bit, yeah. and like Nick, and like there's just like there's this in one of the videos this moment where like everyone forgets what's happening and there's just stillness and it's like uh, <laughs> that sense of like what comes next. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think as we've you know we've we've tried to push ourselves. So as the shows have changed, um, and we've also incorporated like new people to be a part of the ensemble, we've sort of grown the number of actors in each of the shows that we've done. Um, there's more sort of planning and exploration that's involved, and we're also like delving into, you know, performance styles and things that we don't have as much experience in. So like for the puppets on. Um, on Kevin, we were working with Kayla Prestel, who's um, like a puppet designer and a puppeteer, and she kind of gave us a little workshop and was like working with us on that, and that was kind of new for us to sort of invite somebody else just kind of into right. the room to work with us on that. So the process does evolve, and I think we, the more ambitious we get, the more time we try and give ourselves to like think about things and, and figure them out. But yeah, at the end of the day, it's like, let's get in a room and... <laughs> <laughs> and throw some spaghetti at and the wall around. and yeah 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 um 
Well, there's two questions that I normally ask at the end of the podcast, but is there any topic that I have not touched on that you were looking forward to talking about? Oh, I think you did. did (laughs) Since I don't know everything about your career, (laughs) but my life. Um, No, this has been this is great. I always feel like, oh my god, I've talked too much in these, and it's like, no, Mm, that's that's the point. That's the point of it. Please get self conscious, you know. Please. Well, what are you? Is there anything that you're like imagining or like goals you're setting for yourself for the next five or ten years that you're just excited about daydreaming these days? Yeah. Um, more musicals. I want to do more yeah. musicals. Um, I do want to start working a little bit more in like film and TV stuff. I don't know what that means. Cause I saw I've, that you've done some like web series and <laughs> stuff. A little bit of web series. That, like, a lot of that is me sort of, that? <laughs> and I, and that's a lot of that's that is idea. like, I've sort of popped in on like things that friends are doing mm-hmm. and like have, I've directed the episodes, but like, I don't really know. There's so much to learn when you're on set and like yeah. there's so much that just like it didn't overlap with my training or my experience. I don't know if you like ever felt that way. Like No, with acting too. They give yeah. you like a little bit of, unless you're going specifically to a film school, like they give you a little bit of training and then they're like, eh, it's, yeah. it's the same. You'll figure it out on set. <laughs> yeah. And like it is, but it also isn't. No, <laughs> and for like, a director, there's all sorts of very stuff. Very different. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'm trying to, uh, in whatever, you know, limited time I have, like try and like pursue some opportunities to maybe like just do something on film and TV. Um, I don't exactly know what that is yet, but I, I have, you know, working on the small things that I've done, I do kind of like that you can sort of lock something that's kind of exciting to be able to be like, this is, this is it. This is the web series right. this is the episode this is the the film and like it's never changing <laughs> unless right. we and, go in and, and decide the to director change it. and the editor like you have a lot more control yeah there's something satisfying medium. yeah to that um that's exciting yeah so that and i don't know just continuing to follow whatever the wind takes me i guess <laughs> <laughs> when you are feeling like uninspired and kind of in that dark place mm-hmm. Are there any concrete things that you go back to time and time again, like a book you read or music you listen to or somewhere you go? Mm. I do listen to music. I don't know that I have like a specific go-to. Um, I do love Little Shop of Horrors. I just love <laughs> that musical so much. That always like makes me feel <laughs> it's something to do with like, you know, the, the, the silliness of it, but also like the feels behind it. I'm like, uh-huh. yeah, if, if this can be a thing, then like puffs can <laughs> be a thing. Um, and yeah, I think for me, it's a lot of it actually just sort of has to do with like diving into something new if I'm feeling like stuck, um, and maybe just trying to branch out a little bit more and say yes to like one of those small projects or yes to a brunch at EST and just like go for it and be like, yeah, remind, remind yourself that there's, you know, a lot of work happening all around you all the time. Go see a show that you wouldn't have thought to see. Um, I don't know. The industry feels very small sometimes, but like, I always feel like when I, when I push myself to like just go go see something that is kind of outside my my scope of influence yeah. I'm like oh this is so cool <laughs> yeah I theater's, the best. <laughs> theater's the best yeah um and on that note have you seen anything recently of any art form that you want to recommend um oh I saw something great on Sunday but that was the closing 
of it. Tell us about it. But it was called um, Ajijak on Turtle Island, and it was at the New Victory. So it is a theater for young audiences piece, where it was a theater for young audiences piece. And I saw it because um, I'm working with uh, Kate Freer, who was the projection designer on that. Um, But it was, um, yeah, it was uh, puppetry and projections, and it was told like by First Nation people, and it was sort of about the migration of this crane and her Mm -hmm. interaction with all people and creatures throughout North America she's like going down on her journey um and it was really just like wonderful and it felt very like inclusive and the kids were loving it so that was that was amazing um other things I've seen I don't know it's been it's been a it's been a bit of a dearth for me because I've been like in one of those work modes you know how it comes and goes when you're like oh I have so much free time I can see shows right now and like in the opposite of that period but have you seen anything cool lately? Yes, we saw Daddy Ooh. Um, by Jeremy O'Harris. Oh, yeah. It's not yeah, produced yeah. by Signature, but it's playing at Signature. Mm-hmm. And um, our friend Danya Tamor directed it. Mm-hmm. And she did a really good job. It's a hard play. It's not a perfect play, but it's um, really exciting. Mm-hmm. And uh, Frankie and I realized that we've only gone to see two plays together mm-hmm. since the baby was born. Because one of us usually stays here with her, and the first one was Jeremy Harris's play, um, slave play, a New York theater workshop in mm, December. Yeah, and then it happened to be another play by him <laughs> a couple weeks ago. We saw Daddy, <laughs> and he's yeah. such an exciting playwright. Yeah, really. I'm gonna say a lot of words that sound cliche, but really challenging and exciting and frightening and dealing with really heavy, heavy things in a funny way so yeah that'll, yeah that'll play for a while I would recommend that yeah like I said not perfect but really cool and there's a pool on stage yes which is the yeah. thing that everyone's talking I've heard about. I've heard about it and I'm definitely planning on Cumming, seeing it and cool. Alan coming of course yeah, yeah how yeah. could you not <laughs> I guess I'm trying to think what else I saw before that we're going to see which I'm excited about Frankie's sister bought us tickets for Christmas to Oklahoma Yay. Um, at the end of the month. Oh, so that's amazing. Yeah, I missed it when it was at St. Anne's. Yeah, I did too. See, I guess I'll see it on Broadway. <laughs> <laughs> did you see what the Constitution means to me? No, and I guess I'm going to see it on Broadway. <laughs> see it on Broadway. Yeah. That one's incredible. I saw yeah. that. That was the first play I saw after the baby was born by myself, yeah. but it was incredible. Ugh. Awesome. There's a lot of good stuff out right now. It's there really is. exciting. Very exciting. Yeah. And I love, I love all the, the things that are going to Broadway that like, you'd be like, Ooh, I wouldn't, I don't know if it, previously yeah. that would have like had a, had a way to Broadway and here we are yeah. the be more, be more chills of the world. And well, I guess I'm, I'm also, I'm forgetting that I did actually just, my mom was here, um, two weeks ago and uh-huh. I took her to see beautiful. Oh, there you go. <laughs> I, be- I didn't know beautiful was still running. Still oh my playing. gosh. No way. But I've been meaning to cool. take, my mom loves Carol King. I love mm-hmm. Carol King because of my mom, but I've been meaning to take her every time she mm-hmm. goes to visit and it never, just never happened. Um, that's awesome. But it's interesting when I end up going to see those shows that I'm not the target audience for, and it's <laughs> kind of a different package. It literally was a jukebox musical because a lot of it takes place in this like songwriting factory <laughs> you know and so yeah. they'd be talking about a song they wrote and then suddenly the group would pop out and sing it and then they'd go back like literally felt like a jukebox musical yeah but it was amazing in a lot of ways but that's the really complete nice. opposite from daddy <laughs> <laughs> i can imagine yeah a little 
yeah different i saw um i forgot that i had i saw um a company in london the west oh, cool. end yeah i was there uh earlier in february with patty lapone and all that that was Ooh. cool i think they're they're saying that that's going to come over it's where like cool. the bobby is like gender reversed so bobby's played by a woman and um then that sort of follows through like barcelona the the um flight attendant is played mm-hmm. by a man and this is some like kind of like interesting ways of exploring what it means to sort of be like single and unattached where like in the 70s when it was written it was a man who just like was not interested and now it's a woman who like hmm. is also just sort of not is unsure trying to figure that out and navigate that um so it feels like a really cool way to sort of look at that show from from a fresh lens um but yeah. it was fun yeah it's exciting yeah and patty lapone's awesome i saw She's so good. It on broadway like it must have been right after i moved to new york when raul esparza did it mm-hmm. um, and it was really good but yeah some weird gender politics <laughs> It's a tough musical. It's very. It just feels very like '70s New York to me. Dated. Yeah. Yeah. I'll have to look up. So that that was weird in London as well. (laughs) It's like we're in New York. I was like, no, we're not. We're in London. Get out of here. (laughs) Uh, Well, Kristen, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the Compass Podcast. If you find these conversations valuable to your life as an artist and would like to support the ongoing production of the Compass, please consider becoming a patron at patreon.com slash the Compass Podcast. Pledges start at as little as $1 a month. You'll get access to bonus content and anything you can give would be greatly appreciated. Also, if you have a moment, please rate or review in iTunes. Every little bit helps other listeners to find the podcast. I'd like to thank the following people for their generosity. The Compass cover art is by Kim Miller, music by Brandon Spieth, audio assistance from Nick Choksi, and a special thanks to Frankie J. Alvarez. See you next time. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.